Artemis endeavors to get more women in the field and on the water, to support women as leaders in the conservation movement, to ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Chance, and my guest today, which I'm super excited about, is Captain Tanya Dowdy. Hey, Tanya, how you doing? I am very well. Uh, thanks for having me today, Ashley. Yeah, absolutely. I am so grateful that you're sitting down and taking the time to do this. I imagine that you're out on the water like all the time. Is that accurate? I'm on the water a lot. Um, not necessarily always doing a charter, but definitely on the water a lot. Well, it's, it means a lot that you are off the water today and talking to us because I, I don't know, I think you probably have an amazing story. It's going to be cool to share it with all of our listeners. So one of the things that we normally lead off with is what's in your freezer? Well, you know, it's, it's probably not what most people have in their freezer. The majority, well, I'll take it back. So we have, we have two freezers. Uh, we have one on the inside, which we, you know, kind of keep as our healthy freezer. And then I have one in the garage that actually is, uh, it's our bait freezer slash, you know, uh, a extra meat freezer. So um, I've got, uh, there's lots of frozen bait in there. So finger mullet, manhaden, uh, blue crab, there's probably some shrimp in there, maybe even some fiddler crabs. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, I want to stop here because I feel like blue crab that's something that people eat like and really enjoy, right? They do. So we do have the luxury of having a really nice uh, blue crab population here. Um, it's very good table fare. However, it is really good redfish bait. Mm. So that's why it is in my freezer. Gotcha. Got to capitalize on that. And we didn't talk, we haven't talked yet about where you're located. Can you tell us a little bit about where you live and are a captain? Yeah, so I am uh, I am actually a native of Charleston, South Carolina, which is uh, where I uh, currently live, and um, pretty much do most of my fishing um, in what we refer to as the low country waters. Uh, so that's kind of anything in and around uh, like the Charleston Harbor um, and uh, Folly Beach. Those are probably two of my, my most common stomping grounds as far as being out on the water. Wow, that's... I've visited that area just a couple times and it's beautiful, just absolutely stunning country it, out it, that way. It is. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it would be, I'd be very hard pressed to leave this area. Um, I'm very fortunate. My, my entire family is still here. So I'm blessed in that respect. Um, but we, we do have a really nice uh, a place here and, you know, our weather is, is pretty mild. Um, you know, we, we get to fish 12 months out of the year here and there's a lot of places that people have the luxury of being able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's hard to find a place where your preferred activity can happen 12 months out of the year, no matter what it is. Well, it, it, it certainly feeds the addiction. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't complain. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well, I would love to know, about how you came to be a captain. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be an older lady these days and I decided I needed to, to reinvent myself. So, um, no, in, in all actuality, so my husband and I had a business for uh, over 20 years uh, that we sold. Uh, he, he's a veterinarian. And when we sold the practice, um, I had jokingly years before had, had told my good friend who at the time was the manager of our local tackle shop. Uh, we actually have two different locations, but it's called Hadrill's Point Tackle. Uh, so I'll give those guys a shout out because uh, I'm still very close with everybody there and um, you know try to help out when I can. But he was a manager and, and he said to me, or I said to him one day, jokingly, I said, hey, I was like, I'm going to come work for you one day. And so the uh, opportunity knocked and he called me and he says, hey, were you serious about you know coming to work at the tackle shop? And I said, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll come help you out for, you know, a couple of days a week. And uh, so I wound up at the tackle shop. I loved it. Um, it opened all kind of doors for me as far as the, the fishing world and the industry and just meeting people. And so I ended up having a, a local charter captain come into the shop one day and he uh, he had his wife with him and they said, hey, uh, we're actually starting this nonprofit organization called Safer Boater, 
org, and uh, the organization uh, was started to uh, offer classes to teach people kind of the ins and outs of the waterways, how to drive your boat, how to dock your boat, uh, you know, the rules of the road, essentially. And so they were looking for another female captain, and they said, hey, we, we would like you to um, be one of our female captains. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to go get my captain's license. <laughs> so after I decided, all right, you know, I thought about getting my captain's license for many years. Um, my, my grandfather actually got his late in life, and, and I thought it was really cool. And, you know, so I kind of always pondered it. And so I finally said, you know what, I'll go get my captain's license because I would love to um, – get on the water and really just help people here be able to navigate and be a safer boater because we have a huge, you know, uh, water community here. And so I, I decided to get the license. And once the guys at the shop knew I was getting my captain's license um, and as well as friends, they're like, Tanya, you need to start running some fishing charters. Cause of course they all knew that, you know, I love to fish. I had my own boat um, and I do a ton of fishing. And so I was like, no, I, I cannot be a charter captain. I was like, it'll make me hate fishing. I was like, mm. I love it too much. Yeah. And I'm like, it, it'll just, you know, it'll, it'll just drive me away from why I have the passion for it. And so, you know, kind of time went on and I kept getting pushed. And finally I said, all right, guys, I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it on a part-time basis. I said, but my goal is, is I want to start a fishing charter business that caters to the female angler. So the goal is was still is is you know i do i i want to get more women comfortable being on the water as an angler um you know and just feel confident getting out there and either being on the boat you know with their partner their husband whoever and you know feel like hey i can do this and you know i know what i'm doing and you know i can even go do it by myself if i want to that's amazing Okay, there's a lot of things I want to touch back to in what you just said. But the first one is, what does getting your captain's license entail? Let me tell you, the, uh, so the captain, um, I actually did a, uh, it's, a it's, it's six full days. So you do, I did uh, a weekend, like two weekend courses. And of course, this was at the height of COVID and nobody wants to be in the classroom. So uh, thankfully, uh, they offered... Um, a zoom classroom. So it was awesome. So we actually had, you know, a live instructor, um, you know, but I got to be in my jammies and, and take this class, but, um, it was unbelievably tough. Uh, he said to us in the first day, he says, you were going to get a college degree in six days. And he wasn't lying. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was the amount of information that you cover and that you learn it's daunting. Um, I mean, I shed some tears, uh, especially with the charting, because, you know, when you don't have somebody right over your shoulder to point exactly what you're doing wrong and you can't figure out this minute little uh, one degree that you're off when you're trying to measure something, um, you know, it, it, it was frustrating. And then thankfully I had the aha moment and the light bulb went off and I said, okay, I can do this. Um, and so um, I did very well with the class. I was very proud of myself. I, I aced all of my uh, my exams, and wow. but it, it it definitely took a lot of work. And it's, you know, it's not something that you can just go, hey, I'm going to go get this, and it'll be a shoe in because yeah. it is not. Wow. Okay. So that leads me to my next question, which was once you had your life, I mean, the way that you told your story was sound like I got my license and then I was a captain. And to my mind, I'm like, what you need clients. You need like, how did all of that work? That sounds daunting in and of itself. So, you know, again, the tackle shop, um, was a great start for me. Uh, and just building those relationships, you know, customers knew that I did a ton of fishing. You know, I, I post quite a bit on social media. And so that, you know, kind of those things are, have gotten the word out. I mean, I, I will say I've only been doing this for about a year. It's still growing. Um, you know, I never had the ambition of doing this full time just because Tanya is not a spring chicken anymore. And I can't imagine doing this seven days a week. You know, some of these guys are doing two and three trips a day. And I just... I, I physically and mentally can't do it because, I mean, I put so much pressure on myself as it is with, oh, God, I got a trip and, oh, gosh, we have to put these people on fish and, you know, you get prepared and, um, you know, so, but again, I was fortunate. Um, you just, you know, 
getting myself out there, um, you know, which is, again, it's still work. I mean, I'm, I'm continuously, you know, anytime I get the opportunity to, you know, meet people, I'm not shy. So I love, you know, I love the opportunity to talk to people. Um, you know, those are, you know, any kind of engagement that I can do, I'm, you know, I'm all for it. Uh, just again, this passion of really wanting to get more women into, uh, you know, just recreational angling or even, you know, moving themselves up on a professional level or even just getting into the industry is, you know, is, is what the goal is. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're offering something super unique. And I mean, from my, if I was going to go on a chartered fishing trip, I would want to go on your boat for sure. Um, it sounds amazing. One of the other things that struck me or that I wanted to know more about was just your history with fishing. I have zero functionally zero experience with saltwater fishing not actually zero but close enough um so how did you you said your grandpa was a captain as well how did you kind of just get started with your like the passion side so it's you know it's really funny you know growing up um you know here i am in charleston south carolina and i honestly did zero saltwater fishing until my 20s um i i grew up so my folks have a little place up on, uh, it's called Lake Moultrie. It's about approximately an hour from Charleston. And so even though, you know, we, we did some fishing, um, we really did mostly, you know, water skiing and tubing and, you know, just riding around on the lake. Um, I did do some, uh, some fishing with, um, my parents, what I called kind of my other parents, uh, they're, they're best friends. And so I certainly, uh, we did bass fishing and, uh, you know, my first, my first fish was caught on a, a bamboo cane pole you know, uh. on the lake. And so it was, you know, I think I caught a little brim, um, which was pretty fun. Um, and you know, certainly that kind of sparked things and, you know, any chance I, I got, I, you know, I did, did the freshwater thing. Well, um, so in my early twenties, I, I bought this, uh, brand new little boat and was going through uh, one of our uh, waterways, which is kind of funny because I live really close to, to where this actually happened. Um, so I'm driving the, this new boat. Um, it's called Wapu Cut, uh, which is the area that we we're going through. And I see these guys in this, it was probably a 15-foot little aluminum John boat. And they are hauling over the side of the rail of this boat this ginormous, orangish, reddish-looking fish. And I'm like, what is that? I then learned that it was a redfish. I had no clue. I was like, holy moly, you can catch fish like that in this water right here. Like this is my backyard and I had no clue. And so when I saw that fish, I was like, well, that's it. I know what I'm gonna do. And so I, uh, I started fishing with friends and uh, the addiction happened very quickly. Um, I actually started doing uh, a little bit of tournament fishing and then kind of moved up in some of the tournaments and finally was like, I need to upgrade my boat to a better fishing boat. Um, so in 2013, I ended up upgrading. Um, it, it wasn't a new boat by any means, but it was certainly a, an upgrading fishing machine, if you will. I bought uh, an Action Craft. It's a, a 1890 Flatsmaster um, special edition. So it's a it's a, an essentially a flats fishing boat so I can get up in very shallow water you know, but it allows me to, you know, navigate and get into areas maybe where other people can't. Um, but it's also a very stable and, and great boat for doing charters on. So, um, so kind of that's, that's sort of where the big fishing bug started. And um, I, it's just kind of evolved. And, you know, now that I don't uh, have to you know, being a veterinary practice seven days a week, and we don't have to worry about it on the weekends, you know, I've gotten much more time to actually get on the water, you know, and, and be able to improve my game as an angler, uh, you know, which has certainly been uh, an asset to being a female charter captain. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see how that would be necessary and very beneficial to have all of that kind of self-directed learning <laughs> beforehand. Um, so, a lot of our listeners don't live in South Carolina or anywhere near there um, and maybe haven't been out on the ocean fishing before. Could you paint a picture for us of two things, really? One, I would love to know what, if you could describe 
the landscape in more detail because when my mind I'm like, oh, go on a chartered fishing trip, you're going out in the water, you can't see land, you're just like out there. But it sounds like sometimes you're not. So I would love to hear that. And then I would love it if you could paint the picture for us what a day or a trip on the boat looks like. Like what, you know, everything, the weather, the sounds, all of it. Oh, sure, sure. Um, so again, uh, very fortunate. Charleston is beautiful. Um, the majority of the fishing that I do is considered inshore fishing. And so typically, uh, you know, I launch the boat from one of the local landings. Um, I've got one that's actually very close in the neighborhood uh, that we live in. And, um, and again, uh, I like to go out to Folly Beach and they've got a, a landing there as well. And so when we put the, the boat in the water, uh, we start traveling along and you're going to be seeing things, um, you know, our water here is kind of a, kind of a dark, almost, if you will, like a, I'll call it kind of a sweet tea color, you know, so um, as, as winter gets here, you know, it does get clearer, but, uh, you know, our, our water is definitely darker, you know, it's not blue like you would think if you're going down, you know, obviously down to Florida or whatnot. Uh, so you've kind of got the sweet tea colored water. Uh, and then, of course, if it's, you know, spring and summer um, and even now it's still very vibrant. We've got this really beautiful green uh, Spartina marsh grass. Uh, if it's low tide, um, we you will often see uh, big uh, oyster shells along the bank um, and sometimes even in the middle of these creek systems. Uh, and you'll also get this really pungent smell of, of we have this mud here called pluff mud which of course is a very uh home smell to me um it's kind of a sulfury smell so not a lot of people are offended by it but i, I of course love it when i smell it uh so you know we're just depending on where i put in uh, you know we, we may have a, a a good boat ride until we get to where i want to fish but um you know we're we can sometimes be going through very narrow waterways or very open waterways uh, but again, it's just, it's beautiful. You've just, you've got, uh, there's, we have a ton of uh, bottlenose dolphin here. So you see dolphin and we've got uh, an array of, uh, of shorebirds. So you've got the great blue heron, uh, you've got the, the glossy ibis. I mean, just some really beautiful uh, things in nature that, you know, that you get to see. And, and you know, I tell people, I, I've gotten some really cool things um, on video or just even got to see. And they're like, how do you know, how do you see these things? And I'm like, my eyes are just always wide open when I, you know, put it that boat in the water. It's just like I'm always looking, you know, for what's around me. And I just, you just, I mean, I, I wake up every morning and go, you know, thank you for, you know, everything that I have and thank you for these opportunities and that I get to do this. I mean, it's just, it's such a blessing. Wow. So that's, okay. that's kind of, that's kind of what things look like. Um, you know, we have a, we fortunately have a lot of great weather. So, you know, there's, it's not uncommon to have a nice, what we call a bluebird sky where there's not a cloud in the sky. Um, I do love to get up early, like before the sun comes up sometimes and, and, and put in and, and we'll do some really early morning fishing. So actually getting to see that sunrise in the morning is just, it's almost an indescribable thing when you're, on the boat and you get to see that big ball of, uh, of sunshine, you know, come up over the horizon. Yeah. So I've had, had some really cool experiences with that. One of the things that strikes me as you're giving this lovely description of a beautiful area is you mentioned all of the things that you get to see. And I feel like sometimes hunting, but especially when I was in graduate school, I was trapping deer for the research that I was doing. And so that I just spent a lot of time out in the woods, you know, usually by myself being very quiet and the things that you get to see that just by virtue of the time you put in, right? Like it's just happenstance that you're out there and this is also happening. And then you, I don't know, that's something that I think is really magical about this kind of, I would say lifestyle or I don't know, the thing that you're doing, you, you're afforded that in a way that I think people typically aren't. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's no question that I'm very fortunate, you know, to get to do what I do and, you know, be able to do it in such a beautiful, unique area. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you described wonderfully for us, the scenery and I love even the, the smell of the mud. I didn't know there were different types of mud. I feel foolish saying that now I've <laughs> taken soil science classes, but, um, that was a revelation to me. 
Can you talk now about what it's like, maybe, I mean, from your experience, but even if somebody like one of your clients, what's it like to be on the boat? Well, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of prep, you know, and I don't know if, if, you know, the average person just, they probably just haven't even thought about this, you know, but it's like anything, obviously to do your job well, um, you know, and, and to, we are, I am in a customer service industry as far as being a, a charter captain, you know, and doing these, these fishing charters. And so, you know, the ultimate goal is, you know, I want to make that client and customer happy. You know, obviously we want to put people on fish and, you know, that's our goal. Um, so being prepared is, you know, I think huge. And so that may be, you know, getting bait a few days before and, you know, hopefully keeping that bait alive and, um, you know, having, you know, other things. I might have artificial bait. I might have uh, frozen bait. But I want to make sure that I've got, you know, everything, you know, bait-wise ready for the boat. I also want to make sure, uh, you know, I, I'll it, having only two uh, anglers, I, I typically have one to two up to three anglers on the boat just because of the, the size of it and, and the kind of fishing I like to do, uh, you know, as I make sure I have enough rods. Uh, so we've got, you know, I've got certain rods with, you know, floating, uh, floating corks on them. I've got rods for the bottom. And then of course there's backups. And so you want to make sure you've got all that prepared and ready to go the day before I need to, you know, we, you got to change out all your, uh, your lead, what we call leader line, which is, it's kind of an, an extra cushion that you tie on to, uh, your line here, because we have a lot of um, things that will will break your your fish off or your cut your line. Uh, so I want to make sure if I've got anything that's frayed, I need to make sure I I get that retied with fresh stuff for my next trip. Because uh, you know heartbreak comes if you don't do that and you get a big fish on and then he breaks you off because you got lazy and, and and didn't do your your prep work. So you know getting everything ready, uh, get the boat prepared. Uh, you know, and then you tell your folks, hey, going to meet me at wh whichever landing uh, we get on board. And, you know, the first thing I do tell people jokingly is, is, you know, I say, hey, I'm like, this is called fishing. It's not called catching. <laughs> I tell them catching is a bonus. You know, just we want, you know, I want people to know. I mean, my my goal is to please, Lord, let us get some fish on the boat you know, but I unfortunately don't have the crystal ball and we can't always make that happen. But I do try to, you know, I want it to be fun for everybody. So I'll say, look, we, 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 we should get some fish today, hopefully. And, um, and then we just get out there, you know, we try to have a great time. And, um, you know, I, I've had, uh, anglers of all different, um, degrees of, of, uh, skill level. You know, I have, I have some folks that have, you know, never casted, you know, so we, we start out with some kind of some basics, you know, and then I'll have folks on there that have done a ton of fishing. And it's just a matter of, you know, maybe we're, we're, they've, they've caught plenty of fish before, but they've never caught a really big fish, mm. uh, you know, so getting to put people on maybe a new species or a personal best, uh, those have been some of the, some of the most fun trips for me. Um, so again, I think bottom line is just, you know, there's a lot of prep involved. Um, it's not uncommon for me. Um, you know, if I'm doing a 7 a.m. trip, I'm usually up between 4 a.m. and 4.30 getting the boat and all ready so that I can be at the landing early enough to pick my guests up. Wow. So, I... so it winds up, you know, it's a long day. So we, we do our fishing charter. And then I, of course, you know, have to come back home. And then I have to clean the boat because, you know, I do pray for the, uh, the boat ferry to come and clean the boat, but they don't, you know? <laughs> and so, you know, with our salt water here, you have to, I mean, everything gets washed. So I, I unload everything off the boat that I loaded earlier in the morning. And then the entire boat gets washed down. All of the gear gets washed down, uh, you know, and then you, you know, you might have a trip the next day and you got to do it all over again. So it's, it's, it's very fun being a, a, a charter captain, but it's also they're long hours. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so it, it, it's not just jump in the boat at the dock and go, uh, you know, so I think, you know, I think there's some people think, oh, you know, you guys got it easy. You're playing out in the water all day long and you're, you're catching fish, you know, but there's, there's a lot more details to it that, you know, I think go unnoticed that people don't realize, you know, the work that you put into, you know, to hopefully have them have uh, a successful day out there with you. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We are going to take a quick break to hear from one of our partners. For 125 years, Rio has made shot shells for hunting, sport, and defense using their own premium components. Top shooters like 3-Gunner Rihanna Kadic 
champion clay shooter Tina Jewell and outdoors woman Taylor Garcia trust Rio to give them the edge on the range and in the field. A full line of target loads like Star Team Evo, hunting cartridges like the popular Texas game load, plus an array of buck and slugs. Now Rio is proud to introduce their Pro Eco biodegradable wad to help keep plastics out of the environment. Visit RioAmmo.com for a complete line of 12 and sub-gauge products for your favorite game. That's R-I-O-A-M-M-O.com. Artemis is teaming up with Prois for an amazing giveaway during the month of November. We're giving away an entire outfit, including a trial pack, Tori pants, Tori jacket, cap, and a Tintry 2.0 shirt. The goal of this giveaway is to grow the social support network that exists for sportswomen. And all you have to do to enter is film and post a super short reel of yourself talking about what you're gonna do to enhance the social support that exists for sportswomen. So head on over to our Instagram or our Facebook for the specific guidance. Um, you need to follow Artemis and Proist as well as use the hashtag supporting women afield in your post. Um, we'll link to that guidance in the show notes. So make your video today, post it, and enter to win this incredible, incredible giveaway. And we're back. So before the break, Tanya, we were talking about um, kind of you taking clients out and what that looks like. And I've mentioned, I think numerous times already in this episode that I know almost nothing about what we're talking about. And I'm I'm looking at a picture of you, it's your profile picture, you're holding this gigantic it's gorgeous fish. I mean, it's taken up your whole lap and you're not posing like some people do to make it look bigger. Um, it's silvery and it's got kind of gold tipped fins. Can you tell us a little bit about the kinds of fish that you catch and just describe them? Yeah. So that is in that actually particular picture that I have up, uh, that's a Jack Raval. Um, I actually didn't catch that here, but they are here in Charleston. Um, it, it is a saltwater species. Um, and that, uh, I will talk a little bit about that picture just because it, it's a, it's a memory, um, and a, a trip that I will forever cherish. Um, a year ago, I got asked to join, uh, St. Croix rods on a photo shoot in the Gulf shores of Alabama. And, uh, we were you know, certainly testing out some, some new rods for them. And of course, we, you know, got to do some fishing along the way while we were testing out this, uh, these new uh, rods. And so we, I actually was fortunate and on the boat that I was on, a, another local uh, captain from Charleston, uh, his name is Justin Carter. Uh, he's, uh, he's on pro staff with me as well on St. Croix. And so he and I were on the boat together. And they had gotten wind, the, the crews and all, that there were these big uh, redfish in Jack Ravel back in the Bay Area, uh, busting bait on the, on the top of the surface of the water. And so there was like this feeding frenzies going on um, in this very shallow water, which doesn't happen very often. And so we, of course, all loaded on the boats and, and got to the area where they were. And I mean, there's just all this hooping and hollering and excitement because you know that these fish are eating like crazy and I'm standing on the bow of the boat with this rod in my hand that's you know rigged with this artificial bait and I'm kind of like standing there in awe of, like I don't you know I, I all of a sudden don't know what I'm supposed to be doing as an angler <laughs> and uh Captain Justin starts yelling and he's like just throw anywhere <laughs> and so I was like okay so I cast it out to you know where these fish were busting on the top and right away hooked onto this uh, massive Jack Crawl. And uh, a couple of things that were just awesome for me. One, catching a fish this size. But I was also super stoked because I caught it on an artificial bait. Um, it was a, it's a, a Z-Man bait, which is, is actually a local company uh, in Charleston. Uh, they're huge fishing uh, uh, soft plastics and uh, lure maker here in Charleston. And they're uh, huge in, in freshwater and in saltwater. And I'm very blessed to uh, play a, a little role with that company. And so I was just, you know, one, I'm catching it on, you know, this, this rod company that, you know, I'm working with and a, an artificial lure of a company that I'm super proud of. And I actually get this, you know, fish to the boat and 
I'm screaming at the guys that's, you know, trying to get this boga grip on this boat and like, don't lose this fish. Cause I know it's a fish of a lifetime for me. And, uh, when we got that thing in, it was like, holy moly. And, um, it, it was just, it was an epic moment. So getting, you know, fish like that, uh, we have them, they, they do come into the Charleston area and, um, you know, so you've got great fish like the Jack Creval, we've got uh, redfish, which is my passion. Uh, that is what I love to go after. Uh, we've got speckled trout, flounder, sheep's head. Um, we have black drum. Um, uh, inshore, you can catch small grouper. Um, and then as you start moving into the deeper water uh, further out from Charleston, we get very large grouper. We get large black sea bass. We've got snapper. I mean, there's just, uh, you know, a huge population of fish here. And, and certainly, um, we have a, a very nice offshore fishery here, but you have to go out much further than, say, if you lived in Florida. So here, uh, if you wanted to go offshore fishing, you're going to have to go, you know, anywhere from like 30 to 60 miles offshore. And uh, we can catch things like mahi-mahi and wahoo, uh, sailfish, marlin. So you really have the opportunity to um, cover the entire saltwater uh, fishing spectrum, you know, leaving from, from any uh, area in Charleston. Wow, that's so cool. So something you mentioned redfish being a big passion of yours, and I'm not up to date on the situation, but I know there's some conservation issues surrounding redfish. Can you talk at all about that? Yes. So unfortunately, what we're starting to see is uh, a very popular thing that people are are going out to do now is catch what we what are known as our bull redfish and those are our breeding and our spawning fish and what happens is is these fish tend to move in closer and they're in very large groups and of course you know they got to eat and so it's gotten very popular for charter captains because obviously you know it's good for their business to uh, bring people out and they can catch these massive 40 plus inch redfish and so what's happening is is you know if the the recreational anglers as well as those charter captains if we're not doing a good job of making sure those fish are taken care of and that we're properly handling them and getting them back into the water and ensuring that those fish are surviving we're, we're really causing a devastation to the population levels of those fish that are to come. And so there's been, you know, a lot of talk of, you know, just people trying to be better ambassadors as far as paying attention. And, you know, should we be doing these trips? Should we not be doing these trips? I'm not saying that, you know, we should or shouldn't. I just think we need to make sure that we're paying more attention. Um, you know, we've got slot limits, and I think every every state that, that, you know, has fisheries has different slot limits. So, you know, for instance, in South Carolina, uh, you are allowed to, uh, we can catch redfish, they have to be between 15 and 23 inches. So anything below or above that has to go back into, uh, back into the water. And you're only allowed to keep uh, two per angler and then six per vessel. Uh, and that actually changed because several years ago, you were allowed to keep more fish per angler and more on the boat. And so, you know, they're starting to recognize that, you know, our fishing population is definitely, you know, it's taking a hit. Uh, and again, that comes from we have more people out on the water that are fishing. Um, you know, COVID, COVID did crazy things for the uh, the fishing and the, the water industry. I mean, yeah. everybody went out that didn't have a boat, bought a boat, and then people started fishing because, you know, it was something you could safely do without, you know, being around a lot of people. And so now you get all these folks that, you know, maybe aren't aware of, of what's going on and aren't paying as, as close attention. And so, you know, we're, we're not making sure that we're taking care of our fishery. And we're certainly starting to see uh, things be affected. I mean, I can absolutely say just in the last chunk of years that I've been fishing, I see less redfish in places where there used to be a lot. And so, you know, you get concerned, um, you know, so what that does to me, one is, you know, is a charter captain. And also when I'm just out, you know, being a recreational angler is I'm a huge proponent of, you know, catch and release. I want to, you know, 
I, I'm like the next person. I love getting, you know, pictures with my clients and with myself with a good fish. But I take care of that fish, kiss it. We put it back in the water and we make sure, you know, hopefully that we get to catch that fish, you know, again another day. Um, and, and I think it's just, you know, trying to make people more aware of what's going to happen if we really aren't mindful about what we're doing when we're out there. Sure. So what would, I mean, with your expertise and your knowledge, what would you tell somebody is important when you're trying to perform, you know, an, I don't say ethical or a catch and release that's going to result in survival for a redfish? Um, you know, I think the big thing is, is, you know, one, you know, we have to remember these are fish. They're meant to be in the water. So the least amount of time that we can have them out is, is what, you know, we want to get them back in the water as quickly as possible. Um, you know, we want to be very careful how we're holding those fish. We, you know, we, you know, fish are, they're designed to, you know, swim, you know, with that dorsal fin up, they're not designed to be hung from their lips. So, mm. you know, when people are, you know, taking those pictures of these 40 plus inch fish and you're, you're hanging on to him, you know, by his lower jaw and letting his tail hang down to the ground, you know, all of his stuff's now going in a direction that it's never gone before. Uh, you know, so we need to make sure we're supporting these fish and, and then, of course, you know, it, once you get them back, you know, into the water, you got to give them plenty of time to get revived. And, and you want to make sure those fish are strong, they're kicking, uh, and, and that, that they're ready to, you know, be let back go so they can get to wherever they are. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're catching these fish in deeper water, you've got to ventilate these fish. You know, if you've got that swim bladders expanded, they can't get back down to where they need to get. So you, you got to make sure you've got the proper tools on your boat. Uh, you know, in order to you know, safely, you know, get these fish back in. So uh, again, I think it's just, you know, you have to be a conscious angler guide. Um, you know, it's just all about, you know, uh, we, we want, we want our customers to be able to do this. We want to personally be able to do this. And, you know, we, we want those, those kids that are, that are moving on down the line to be able to experience the same, you know, fun things that we've gotten to and experiences that we've gotten to. How do you ventilate a fish? I'm so intrigued by this. Uh, so there is a, uh, it's a little tool. It, it, there's, there's a couple different ones, you know, well, there's, there's actually more than a couple. There's quite a few tools on the market, but, uh, there's a little place kind of behind their little side fins where the swim bladder is located. Um, I won't go into the details of that, but you, you almost have, it, it's like a, a big needle that you, you, insert underneath their scales and, and you basically just do a little small puncture into the swim bladder. So it, it lets that fish decompress so that it, you know, that swim bladder obviously empties out of all that air. Cause when a fish comes up from deep water, that swim bladder, you know, expands. And then that fish, if, if you don't ventilate them, meaning you, you don't get the air out of that swim bladder, they can't possibly get back down to the depth they need to. They'll just float on the surface of the water. And that's what oftentimes will happen. So you've got this, it's a very big, uh, if you were to think about a syringe and a needle, you know, they're not using very large needles, you know, when you're getting a, an injection like a vaccine, um, just imagine that needle being a lot bigger than that. And, and so it's a little hollow uh, metal tube with a point that, that gets put into that swim bladder in order to, you know, let that air get out of there. And then that fish can be um, you know, safely put back in the water and is able to swim down to whichever depth it you know needs to. Wow. And again, that's, that's only done typically if you're fishing in, uh, you know, deeper water, it's not going to happen. You know, you're fishing in, you know, 15 feet of water, 20 feet of water. You, you won't, you know, fish, that's not that deep to have to have, you know, decompression. So. That's really interesting. I can imagine that if a fish is, you know, supposed to be down deep and it's stuck mm -hmm. on top, it's probably kind of an easy target for predators and Oh yeah. And, and, and it's really interesting here. Um, there's, there's a little sort of banter and talk, uh, that, that we're starting to hear, but, um, you know, we've, we've got a pretty impressive shark population in our area and, um, we're starting to see, you know, when these fish are, even when they're being caught, you know, they, you know, offshore all the time, they talk about the taxman collecting on your catch and, uh, and so what that means is, you know, a shark comes and either eats your entire fish or bites your fish in half and, you know, has got a meal. And then, of course, you know, if you had a keeper fish, there's not, most of the meat went to the, the shark or the tax man. Yeah. And uh, we are we're actually seeing more of 
you know, when these when these fish are being caught either, I'll say, near shore or even inshore, we're seeing more sharks grab a hold of these bigger fish. And um, I don't know if this is something that they're learning um, or just if, because the fishery is changing a little bit, but um, it's kind of an interesting concept. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, so you again, you hope to get those fish back in the water and get them down so that, you know, you don't, you, you got a flailing fish on top of the water. I mean, that's going to attract, uh, you know, another predator to come and, you know, get an easy meal. So. For sure. Wow. That's really interesting. So uh, we had talked kind of earlier in the podcast about, you know, how you, this started out as your passion and then now you've grown it into a career. And I'm curious, what, can you talk about um, finding time to do like your, to still do it as a hobby personally and kind of the balance there and challenges? Um, you know, it, it certainly can, can be harder, um, you know, cause I'm not only am I, you know, doing my fishing charters for, uh, for my business, real Chica charters. Um, I, I'm also teaching the, uh, the boating course. Um, and, and I actually run, a another couple of boats, uh, to help out to run just kind of some dolphin fun excursions and sunset cruises. So kind of in between all of that, um, you know, I, if I've got a day off and it's, and I know the weather's going to be good, I might be tired, but this girl is going to make every effort to get her booty up and, and get out on the water. Um, you know, I tell people, um, being on the water and I love being out there by myself. It is my church. I mean, you know, get out there early watch the sunrise, do some topwater fishing, which means we're fishing with a, 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 a hard bait that sits on the top, top of the surface of the water that we're, you know, trying to catch fish with. Um, you know, it, it just rejuvenates me. And um, I just, you know, getting out there is important. You know, and it, and it reminds me when I'm able to get out there and do it just with me, myself, and I, why I love it. Um, it just, it, it, helps kind of feed the fire and just, you know, keep me going. And, you know, and I want to share those moments with other people. And that's where, you know, being the, the female charter captain has come into play. It is so rewarding to take people out and just watching them reel a fish, you know, and then, you know, we get it to the boat. It's just, you get just some great emotions and I just, I, I love it. And, um, you know, so getting out there, you know, and, and just doing some some fishing for myself is is definitely important. Um, and and I make a point to at least try to do it uh, every week. Sometimes it you know might be every other week, but I, I definitely try to take the time to do that. And um, you know, if, if you don't if you don't do your self care, you know, we're not good for anybody else. So definitely important. Absolutely. So early, you mentioned, I'm going to may, hopefully not get the name wrong. Is it Safer Boater? Correct. Okay. Can you talk a little bit about that? And I guess maybe what you would like people to know about Safer Boating? Yeah. So again, uh, yeah, saferboater.org is, uh, is our organization and uh, we're a nonprofit. And, you know, our goal is, is, is we are very happy that there or as many people out on the waterways. Um, but we, we need people to, you know, be aware and be educated because, you know, unlike a car, you know, we don't have seatbelts in our boats. We also don't have brakes in our boats. And if people don't know how to properly operate and know the rules of the road, you know, bad things happen. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of folks that, you know, think being out on the water uh, at the beach, in the boat, that, you know, alcohol should be there. And that's, you know, we just, it's our society. It's just kind of the way of the world. And so when you add that alcohol, you know, into that scenario, and then we don't have brakes and seatbelts, you know, things happen that shouldn't happen. And so if we can make people just more aware and educated, I think like anything, um, you know, it, it just, it, it it makes it just, it makes it much nicer. We all know that we can, we can get up and we can do it again, you know, tomorrow with our friends and our family. And so, um, in the state of South Carolina, we actually don't have any sort of, uh, legislation or, uh, licensure in order to operate a boat, which 
um, wow. I personally find appalling, yeah. you know, that anybody can get behind the wheel of a boat if, you know, it, and, you know, don't have to, you know, have any sort of uh, any training. And so uh, this, this program was started to at least offer to people the opportunity if they want to learn how to do it. And I'm not saying we do everything right. I mean, we certainly do it. You know, we, we have a, we have a textbook that we follow and, uh, it's a great course. It's a 16 hour course that we offer. Uh, it's eight hours of classroom time and eight hours of on the water that we combine over a long weekend. Um, you know, but it, it gives people the opportunity, especially folks that have, have never stepped foot on a boat, um, you know, or even people that want to tweak their skills, you know, the, the chance to, you know, really just get comfortable. And so I was absolutely, uh, on board when again the the local charter captain he and his wife came in and, and you know asked me to join as as a, a female captain and uh so we offer classes for women only we offer um co-ed classes we offer classes for uh for kids we do a lot of combined things um but uh, what i love is uh, we've got another female charter captain uh, captain jen and so she and i teach all the women's classes together um, and then, of course, we'll help out with uh, the other classes. But it's been it has been so much fun, you know, getting these ladies out that, you know, can be on the boat with us and in the classroom. You know, and there's no pressure from, you know, husbands or partners or whoever. And they can, you know, they can really just, you know, they, they want to be able to enjoy the boat and be helpful, um, you know, and take the lead as, as, you know, if they need to be at the helm. And and so I, it's I'm very, very passionate, very excited to be able to be a part of this organization. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. That sounds so cool. I, I feel like I can identify with the, I know how to operate a boat because we have, it's a small aluminum, it's a John boat, basically it's for duck hunting. Um, but, uh, yeah, sometimes like my husband didn't necessarily know a ton about operating uh, watercraft. I mean, he has his boater safety and all of that, but he kind of like learned the ropes himself. And then when we would start go duck hunting or fishing together and I would drive, often he would get frustrated with my learning process when he could just take over and get us there faster. <laughs> and so being in this kind of a situation that you're describing where there's not that pressure and it's really a learning environment, um, that sounds really hard to come by as it pertains to boats. And so I feel like that's another really unique opportunity. Yeah. I mean, you, you just, you know, not having, you know, we all know bad things happen when we're, when we're under pressure and, you know, we're hollering and yelling and angry and those are not the times to learn, you know, it's, it's like, we, we gotta, we want to, we want to have the skill set so that we can prevent all of, you know, that high anxiety that comes when you've got 30 people trying to put their boats in and out at the same time and, yeah. you know, back and down and, and whatnot. So it's, you know, I, I, again, I think, you know, if we can have these areas that, you know, people can feel comfortable in, in getting, you know, the knowledge that we need, uh, just you know, makes it a little easier for everybody. Absolutely. So can you tell us about one of your favorite moments on the water? Well, uh, this will be my, I guess, favorite moment as a, as a, a charter guide, um, which happened this summer, because um, I kind of already told my story about the, the Jack Creval, which is, that's, still going to be my, my epic fishing adventure <laughs> probably for some time to come unless I make it to Panama and get to catch a massive peacock bass, which, you know, maybe happen one day. Wow. That um, sounds amazing. Um, so, so as a, as a charter captain, um, you know, you certainly want to get people on their first fish or their best fish or, you know, whatever. And so I had a, uh, a, a gal who reached out to me, uh, it was her son's, he was going to be turning 15 and she's like, Hey, I want to take him on a, you know, a charter to go fishing. And, um, so we of course set a trip up and the first trip didn't go so well. Cause I wound up with some, um, boat troubles, which, you know, we all know can happen. And so we kind of had to limp back to the landing and didn't get to do that first trip. So a couple weeks later, you know, I, I had him come back out and uh, we, we did a, a, a do over uh, it was the uh, first part of June. It's hotter than Hades out on the water. Um, and the fishing was was tough. And um, her son had never caught a saltwater fish. And so I was, you know, I was bound and determined. I was like, I am, this kid is is going to get a, uh, you know, is going to get a, a fish today. 
um, you know, if it kills me. <laughs> and, you know, so of course, I mean, I mean, I moved and we're, you know, we're fishing spots. I'm like, I know there's fish here. And of course they don't want to eat. And it, it's just crazy. So, or we'd actually, I think even maybe gone over the charter time a little bit. Cause I was like, I am, I am, you know, I am bent on getting this kid on a fish. And so I said to you guys, I was like, guys, I know it's, I mean, it was so hot. I mean, like I'm talking, we were drenched sweating because, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a, a cover on my boat or a top. It's a flat fishing boat. I'm like, we're, you know, you're fishing out in the open. And so we're, we're fishing this dock, which I knew the, the redfish there, they're huge. And I was like, if we can just be patient and hang just a little longer, you know, I feel like we can, you know, we'll, we'll get, we'll get a fish on. And, um, thankfully, I don't know how far into it, but, uh, you know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes after that, you know, came out of my mouth, uh, one of the, the rods goes off and, um, I knew it was a big fish cause I'd, I'd put a, one of our really, one of my big setups out. And so, you know had Brennan come over and, uh, he, he reeled in, reeled in. And, uh, it was a 30 inch redfish, which was so phenomenal. You know, his first saltwater fish is a, a 30 inch redfish, which there's going to be, I'd say, you know, most of the population has, you know, is not going to catch an overslot redfish like that as their first, uh, saltwater fish. So it was, it was exciting to put him on, uh, you know, a very quality sized, redfish and it was certainly a you know happy birthday for him and um it just it I, I don't know who was hooping and hollering more when his mom took the video me or him I was probably more ecstatic and excited but you know I just I mean the kid was smiling from ear to ear I'm smiling from ear to ear you know I was giddy probably for three days after that um and just you know getting to enjoy that moment with you know with he and his mom it was you know it, it just I mean, that right there was like, this is why I do this and why I love doing this. Mm-hmm. What was so that's what was his reaction? Did he do you feel like the magnitude of what happened really landed with him? Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, he, I mean, he was, you know, I, I think he was in in just as much awe that he got a fish that big. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he'd seen pictures of fish, but he'd never, you know, getting to one fight a fish that because a 30 inch redfish that does not want to come to the boat is it's an amazing i mean they're like having a bull in a china shop on the end of the fishing line i mean they the pull um you know the drag is screaming uh you know you you try to get them to the boat and then they make another run i mean it's it you know it's a fight or flight they they're like i'm not coming yeah. and so you you get quite the workout and you know once we got that fish up close and you know of course in the net his eyes you know were huge and he was just like holy moly he's like I didn't know it was going to be that big you know um so it it's just it's fun and of course you know he's like I didn't know they they, you know those fish fought like that and I'm like oh yeah it's like you know and of course fishing them on you know I I typically fish with with lighter tackle um which makes it even that much more fun because you are working your booty off you know to get you know that that fish to the boat um which again, if I back up, that is why we have to make sure we, you know, really take care of that fish, getting it back into the water. Cause you know, we certainly can put a little more stress on the fish that way, but sure. you know, your, your clients and your customers, I mean, they, they get to see what it's like to, you know, you're, you're doing some power fishing and, um, you know, it's just, it's fun, but yeah, their, their reaction and just the glow. And, um, I mean, you, you know, when you've got a 15 year old kid that, uh, puts the picture that you sent him as his Instagram picture, you know, tempor- <laughs> at least even if it was only temporarily, it, it made me feel good, you know, cause I'm like, You've you know, made it. yeah, I'm like, all right, teenagers world. He's happy. You know, I, I you know, it's like, we made the gram. I love it. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> what a great metric. Yeah. So, Oh, that's wonderful. Okay. So, uh, we're going to transition to our weekly closer, which hits and misses. But before we do that, you've mentioned a few things throughout this episode and I just want to make sure that folks know where to find you. Um, so do you just want to go over again where people can find you on Instagram, your business, um, safeboater.org? Sure. So, uh, so my fishing charter is called real. So it's R E E L Chica C H I C A charters. Uh, and I do have a website uh, you can find me on Facebook as well. Um, and then on Instagram, I am known as Real Chica. So R-E-E-L-C-H-I-C-A. Uh, can't miss me. I'm a little 5'2", peanut size, uh, short hair blonde. Uh, so I'm not hard to miss. Um, 
And then certainly if you go to uh, the, uh, the saferboater.org, um, I'm on there listed as a captain. Um, and, you know, so uh, if you ever have questions or just, you know, want to reach out, um, again, I love, you know, I love taking people out, but I also uh, am also always open to, you know, answer any questions or just, you know, be help helpful, you know, to, you know, improve somebody's game or just get them more comfortable you know, so it doesn't doesn't mean we have to, you know, take a trip out on the water and, and fish. I'm I'm always open to just, uh, you know, being a resource for folks. So wonderful. Okay, so hits and misses. What have you been aiming for, and how has it gone? Um, you know, I think that you know the big aim, which is going to take time again, is to get more of those uh, ladies out uh, on the water. Um, and so you know, I think just. You know, I, I'm I'm certainly growing as as a business, and you know, having people find out that you are available and that you do offer this service, you know, it, it takes some work. Um, you know, so just trying to get myself heard and seen, in, um, you know, opportunities, you know, to to be able to participate, you know, in, in like a podcast that that you guys. Um, you know, I was feel very blessed to you know to get to do this, you know, so people will know that hey she's here and she, you know, she wants to, you know, she wants to, you know, be helpful to the community. Um, and so, you know, I've been trying to, you know, do any sort of speaking engagements or, uh, you know, just you know, try to get noticed so that people, you know, know again, you know, that I am here. Um, you know, and again, I know it's, it, it's baby steps. Um, I think if I had jumped into this as, as a full-time venture, um, you know, I'd, I'd probably be, I won't say working harder at it, but, um, you know, I still, you know, family and friends are important to me. So I, you know, I, I like to try to play that balance in life and, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna, I mean, my other half, he says I'm on the, you know, I'm on the phone and the computer enough as it is. <laughs> so I, It's like, all right, we gotta, we gotta put that down. Um, you know, I mean, I've been very fortunate. Um, I've been embraced by the, uh, the, you know, the fishing community here. Uh, I've got some really great uh, companies that, you know, have recognized the work that I'm putting in, um, you know, as a charter captain, but also as a, uh, as a female angler. Um, I'll give a sh- couple of shout outs. Um, AFCO um, Fishing Apparel uh, and Tackle Company has been very great to me. Uh, Z-Man Fishing, I Strike Fishing, St. Croix Rods. Uh, Shimano fishing, uh, Rio sunglasses. So I've, you know, if uh, it's just, it's nice to have, uh, you know, these companies that, you know, they, they want to, they want you to be a successful angler, but they also, you know, they want you to be successful as a charter captain. And so they've, they've definitely been helpful and resources for me and, you know, have supported me, uh, this past year. And so I, I feel very blessed to have those, uh, connections, um, and just, you know, I think that support just helps push you forward. And, you know, it reminds me every day, you know, it's, it's worth what I'm doing. Um, it's worth the effort that I'm, I'm putting forth. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I think if we continue, can, you know, I can keep taking these baby steps forward. Um, I think this will grow. Um, ultimately I'm not looking to be the head of this business, but I would love to see more female fishing charter captains in our area to help encourage those lady anglers to get on the boat. Um, so if, if I can, you know, be the, the Kickstarter to that, I certainly will be proud uh, to see that happen. Um, you know, so that's, I, I think if, if we looked at, you know, what the ultimate uh, end of the road goal would be is, is it would be, um, you know, that these stepping stones to get more ladies, you know, out there, you know, if we can get that to happen, you know, I'll feel like I've, I've made it a nice, uh, you know, a nice move here in, in our world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it sounds like that's a hit for you. <laughs> I mean, if we're just <laughs> going to do in the context of launching this whole thing, it sounds like you're doing awesome. Um, yeah. For me, I just came back from a two week bird hunting trip up in Minnesota. And I, the trip was a hit, but I'll say it was a miss. I did not connect with a single bird which was unfortunate. <laughs> a lot of reasons, um, which maybe I'll go into on another episode. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a bummer. We ended up with two rough grouse 
and one snow goose. And we went grouse hunting and pheasant hunting. So it was a, <laughs> it was a good learning experience. Um, but anyway, so thank you for joining us this week on the Artemis podcast. We hope you're having a great week. Until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside. And I just want to thank you again, Tanya. This was a wonderful episode. I learned a lot. And your storytelling ability really, I feel like, lit up your reality for us, which was awesome. Well, thank you again so much uh, for uh, allowing me this opportunity. And I had a great time as well. Well, thanks for joining us this week on the Artemis Podcast. We hope you're having a great week. Until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside. Mm-hmm.